Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership, where we develop the leadership for the next generation. Today, we have Ryan on who will be sharing his experiences in cybersecurity leadership, as well as the things we can do to help develop the next generation. Ryan, do you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself? Thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, glad to be here. A little background about me. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, half of the gray hair from working in cybersecurity and trying to lead it. Uh, and the other half are from raising a teenager. I held a lot of roles throughout my career. Uh, everything from starting out in help desk and just working my way up through the ranks. Business intelligence, software development, systems design, infrastructure, architecture, you name it. And at the end of the day, cybersecurity, as we used to refer to it, information security, was kind of the thing that always emerged. And so as a hacker, if you will, the good kind, not the bad kind. Remember, hackers are curious people. The rest we call criminals. And per the shirt, I don't hack. I surprise, administrate. Yeah, I said the most important part about my journey isn't what I've done, but what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And that is to try to help, just like you do, Chris, try to help folks get started in this industry. If they've been in this industry for a while, try to find reasons to help them stay, you know, what fascinates me about InfoSec more than anything is the people side. So that's where I've spent my career. I've been the president of a company, currently the chief visionary and chief information security officer for an organization called Synaptech. Yeah, it's not really as important about what I've done as much as what we're going to do next. Because as you and I both know, uh, 30 years of experience is becoming less and less relevant as we embark on this kind of AI and quantum and organoid intelligence future. So as you think about that, as you think about all the growth in your career, why did you decide to switch from being an individual contributor and uh, helping to lead people? So I observed a vacuum. Uh, leading people is very different from being an IC. What I found was as an individual contributor, I could influence the work I was doing. But that was it, just that project. Uh, but if I wanted to have a greater impact on the direction of a program or uh, the direction of an industry uh, that I had to get into leadership. And so part of it was that movement towards having a greater degree of involvement, insight to a small degree, influence over direction of things. Uh, and the other was that the best investment that I can make for the industry is not in a specific widget or specific project, but is in, in helping share my experiences with other humans because that tends to scale further. So I know it's a bit of a fluffy answer, but that's really what motivated me. I think everyone has their own reasonings for switching. And I think figuring out what your reason is important for you and the same for everyone listening. What motivates you will not necessarily motivate someone else. So as a leader, you have to figure out what an individual or a group's motivation is to help drive them. What do you think are some of the critical skills for being a cybersecurity leader today? I think the number one skill is empathy. I think empathy is an important skill from a leadership perspective for your team, as well as those that are looking to you to be the leader of that area. So if you think about your peers within the boardroom, your peers uh, with you know the community, um, they're looking to you to provide that security leadership. Right. And that goes beyond just what to configure, how to configure, what products to buy, what's in the incident response plan. I think honestly that for me, security leaders have an obligation to also be part community 
leader. We have an understanding of this world, this cybersecurity world that goes beyond what the average person understands. And all of us in this industry are very aware of how at risk those individuals are and how fragile it is. So I think empathy is a huge skill. Communication is your number two. Effective communication, being able to be relatable, making the content and the topics accessible helps both your team, but also who your team serves and, and the community that you serve, you know, by extension of your team. So you talked about some of the skills that we're going to dive into, but let's start with delegation. How would you rate yourself as a leader in delegation on a scale of one to five and one? I would say I, I could definitely do a better job. Depends on the trust. So it's a fluctuating schedule or scale to the trust of what I'm handing off, right? So if I'm delegating something to get done, I need to have a degree of comfort and confidence that the individual is either capable of actually executing without assistance, or more importantly, that I have enough trust with them that if something does come up, that they come to me early. Because the hard part about delegation, so I would say I'm like a three and a half, because the hard part is when I hand it off, it's either going to get done well or it's going to blow up. And so I have to be comfortable that if it does blow up, that that'll be handled well. I think that's a challenge for a lot of leaders. When you delegate something, it's done hopefully with the assumption that you've handed it off and it'll be done to a level of quality, professionalism, timeliness, those attributes that you as a leader have said, hey, our brand is this, we're going to deliver. Uh, I've been burned a few times. It's tough. It's definitely an area that I struggle with. I would say that you have to be able to delegate and trust that they'll deliver at a value that you look towards, but they can't be you and you have to provide some room for them to fail and grow. Let's talk about another important skill, the skill of collaboration. How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to five on collaboration and why is it such a critical skill? I like to think of it more as cooperation. A little bit of a different angle to it. I would say five. The goal for me in a cooperative environment, because collaborating and cooperating are similar but different. It's critical. You can't get any of this done by yourself. So you absolutely have to have that skill set. You have to be able to be able to bring folks together to get them to bring the value they have to the table. The alternate opinion approaches. All of that is, is absolutely required, but when you have those conflicting moments, the better that you've created the environment for cooperation and collaboration, I think the easier when you do have those conflicting opinions, those conflicting viewpoints on how we want to go about getting something done, it's super important, but I would, it's, it's a top skill. It's definitely something every leader should be focused on, should be encouraging the team to do more and interdepartmental as well, not just within our own houses, within our own teams and departments, but truly co cooperating and collaborating across the enterprise. And that really leads into the next skill of communication. How would you rate yourself in communication on a scale of one to five? And why is it such a critical skill? Thank God you're not asking my wife because you'd get a different answer. I, I tend to think I'm, a, I'm an okay communicator. I think that well, that's probably one of my stronger skill sets is effective communication uh, because I take an approach of trying to make it relatable. It doesn't really matter what I know or what I understand. 
if I'm ineffective in getting uh, the other individual to, to pick up what I'm laying down, or to, as my buddy likes to say, smell what I'm stepping in. It's, it's super important. Most conflict comes from communication errors. Most delays, uh, increased expenses. There is a, there is a PNL. I know no one's put it on the PNL, but there's a PNL though to the effectiveness of communication in your organization and what it does to your bottom line. So I would say I rank myself very high on it, but there's still always room to improve because it is one of those interpersonal things. And so communication comes down to the individual. And so the more time you take to get to understand their communication styles, patterns, and needs, I think the more effective you can be as a communicator. One of the skills you mentioned earlier was the skill of influence. Why is that such a critical skill in cybersecurity? Because cybersecurity is a team sport. And if nobody wants to play on your team, you're hosed. Because it's an influence game. It's a political game. Unfortunately, cybersecurity has more to do with people and politics than it ever has to do with ones and zeros and keyboards. So I think it's the, there's a likability factor too. I'll say it's this, this thought swarming here. I like to talk to people when, it, when I'm trying to train them on that likability factor, on that influence factor. And let's be honest, influence starts with likability, likability paired with trust, trust and likability paired with competency generally is the secret formula, right? Know your stuff, be good at what you do, and don't be an ass when you do it, right? But when I talk to them, I talk about the fact that if you're an IT person, a lot of times the end consumer, and I prefer that term to user, they're not drug addicts, they're computer users. So end consumer, yeah, I know. we'll get into the cell phone debate another day. But the first interaction most of them have had with IT was a curmudgeoned one was a fast flying smash on the keyboard. Look at you like you're stupid. You ask what happened. They say you broke it. They get angry. They walk away. That's what people think of when they think of IT and by extension security, because that, that, that trope doesn't come from nowhere, right? We know that guy exists, that gal exists. We've all encountered them. Hell, some of us have been them. You have to overcome that barrier. The other thing you have to recognize is you don't speak their language. You're literally speaking a foreign tongue. It's like Klingon. Oh, you're fluent in Klingon but they don't speak it. So I think that the getting through that and finding common ground where you can be relatable and they see you as a person beyond this nerd, this tech, this geek, this whatever they've applied to you. And bottom line, it gets shit done. And I don't know if we need to go back and beep that, but bottom line, that's what likability and influence does for you. It actually gets things accomplished. And that's why it's so important. In line with likability is networking. Why is networking such a critical skill within cybersecurity? So Malcolm Gladwell, uh, and for those of you that aren't familiar, Malcolm Gladwell is an amazing author. I'm a huge fan. I encourage you to read his books. He has some amazing insights. One of the things that, that kind of points out is that the world turns based on, I want to say it's around seven different kind of generalized categories of personality. And one of those key things is networking and it's the loose connection that lead to the next big thing that lead to the next big job. It isn't the guy that you spent 30 years talking to every single day. That's going to open that door. It's the person that you see twice a year at a conference. You have a dinner now and again, you have a phone call here and that individual is 90% more likely to be the vehicle that you get that next lead, that next opportunity, that next job, that next cool project to work on. 
So the bigger your network of those individuals, the more you maintain that, the more likely. I can say for myself, many times in my career, I've called somebody that I haven't spoken to in a year, maybe two, just to say, hey, how you doing? I said, what are you up to these days? I'm doing that. What are you doing? I'm doing that. And before the call's done, it's, oh, listen, we got a need for what you've got. Or we've, or my buddy, I was just talking to him and he's got a thing. And let me go out and connect those dots for you. Especially, and that gets magnified. So I say that's true for all industries. Now in cybersecurity, it's magnified. Because this is a closed knit group, it is not something you just walk into and the, the podcast title, right? Breaking in. Why do you have to break in? Because there isn't an open, wide open door that says, here, come on in. And really the good jobs never get posted. The good jobs, they don't ever get posted. It's all pre-negotiated back channel, who knows who, couple LinkedIn messages, and if the job does get posted, it's for legal reasons, and it's usually only for a day. And you can apply to it, but you're not going to get it. So that's why the networking is so critical. And again, it's not who you know the best or talk to the most. It's having enough of those folks with that likability factor in your network. It's how you and I met. We met via networking. And we have gone on to do amazing things together. The CISSP mentor program, right? That That's an amazing thing that we got a chance to do together that we would have never had that opportunity had it not been for some of that loose connection networking. Yeah, I I've been on your podcast, I don't know, five years ago, just after starting mm -hmm. mine, and it's continued ever since. So as we approach the end, what final advice would you give to future cybersecurity leaders looking to become that leader in the industry or in their company? Spend more time getting to know people, getting to know what your people relate to, connect to. And then if you yourself can't keep up, find an advisor who can. Make sure you have a conduit to the bleeding edge. Because things are changing quickly and your relevance as a security leader will be directly tied to your ability to navigate the next new thing. And in my experience, it's very difficult to get into the day-to-day -day running of a team and all that comes with that and being a CISO or being a security leader in the org and also be able to keep up. I encourage you to have mentors above you and below you. Uh, if you're over the age of 40 and you don't have a 20-year-old you're talking to uh, about things, get one. And if you're, oh, if you're, if you're in the age range, I am mid, mid, mid forties, talk to the old men before they go away. Talk to the old, the old women and the folks that started the game, talk to them. They still have very valuable information that isn't Googleable. Talk to those folks before they leave so that you have some more to pass down. But also again, keep that youth underneath you because it's moving quick and you need to understand how they see things as well. That, that leads to so something I say all the time, get the cheap experience, which is the experiences from your network, what they learned, how they learned it. And that way you don't have to get that scrape, but if you do, you already know how to react to it. It's not something new. Exactly. So with that being said, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your insights in breaking into cybersecurity, everyone else. Thank you for listening and please do share this podcast with others because that's how we can spread this message to a diverse group of, of audiences and have that diverse group be interested in breaking into cybersecurity.